Hey, hello everyone. Another great meeting together. Hey, can I start just by saying a massive thank you to all you amazing people that are making these online services happening through the sound and media team, people editing, people spending hours putting these things together through the worship team and preaching, hosting, anyone who's done anything at all, just thank you so much. Hey, if, if you've been blessed by our services, and I know literally hundreds of people have been blessed by our services, what a great opportunity right now to write in the chat box and say thank you to everyone who's done something. We've created great environments to bless people, to make Jesus known, to share the heart of the Father, and to encourage each other. So uh, thank you everyone who's played your part in that. We are now going to take part three of our three-part series we've called Take Heart. We've looked at... We call it feeling it in the first one. The whole idea that we're emotional people, we are made with feelings and we want to express them. We don't want to be robotic, we are called to feel stuff. And we were looking at engaging in that side of it. Last week we looked at how God heals the brokenhearted, how through various different events in our world you can be wounded but how we have a God in heaven who draws near, who heals us up and actually makes us better than you and takes us forward. I encourage you to look at that message if you didn't get to see it. You can find our messages, by the way, not only on our Facebook account, but also on our YouTube account. If you look at Equippers Church Essex on YouTube, you'll find it there and there's many, many of our uh, previous videos that may well encourage you. So today we are going to look at Pure Heart. Now, the whole thing has been based around that passage where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? If you could boil it all down, Jesus, what would it be? It's in Matthew 22, and he says this, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then he says, love your neighbour as yourselves. Shortening that even more, it's love God and love people. You know, it was never about religion, tick boxes, being squashed into life. It was all about a two-way relationship uh, based on love. And we've been looking at the whole concept of, of heart. That place where it's your, in your inner person where thought is done, attached to emotions and feelings. We kind of all understand it and know it, you can't put your finger on it, but we've been trying to unpack some of that stuff. And, and so today I want to look at what it's like to have a pure heart and how we value pure hearts and God also values pure hearts. Anyone who's in or been in a, a long-term relationship of, of any kind will know what it's like when you give your heart to someone, they give their heart to yours, you fall in love and you, you're completely all in. It's just awesome. You love each other. And what happens is you create this emotional bond. You get this togetherness and it's great. We love it. And what happens then is if your loved one gets hurt or wounded by someone or something, it affects you too. You take, you're connected, you have this, this heart connection, your emotions and feelings are involved, and, and you hurt my loved one, and, and it's hurt me too, I am taking their part. Why? Because we have this emotional bond where hearts collide, feelings are involved, and it's awesome. 
There's a purity there where we're in this together. We fight for each other, not we don't fight each other, we fight for each other. And there's this purity that I believe we all look for. It's awesome. I have this, I have the privilege of having this with my amazing wife, Sarah. We celebrated 20 years of marriage this year and we've had our ups and downs and all these things, but in it all, we stay together in that purity. You can't buy it. It's, it's epic, I love it, I think it's something that people hanker after. But if someone does something to Sarah that upsets her, it upsets me too. She's my wife, I love her, we're connected, and there's a purity between us that what affects her affects me. If Sarah comes home from a day and she's really succeeded in something, I celebrate with her, my heart leaps. Because there's this emotional connection which is pure, and lovely, and I believe it's something the vast majority and probably all people want. We've had um, lots of weddings, I think it's 12 weddings or something over the past couple of years in our church life. And without fail, it's an emotional day. Even the men sometimes have a little tear up or find themselves getting a bit emotional. And I believe at least part of that is this, that we all believe in and long for this purity of heart where two people come together, their worlds collide and they forsake all others to walk out together for the rest of their lives. And there's a purity in that which moves us, we get it. And so therefore I think it's fair to say we all long for a pure hearted relationship. And so what does that look like? What can we, how can we analyze that, um, talk it through, Puts in a position to think how that is affecting me and how I affect others and these kind of things. And so let's have a little look. This whole idea of purity of heart will always be tested. You see, you fall in love with someone, you commit to someone, you go on a journey with someone. What happens then when someone else catches their eye? And I want to say this, the purity is polluted. You know, how much it's polluted depends on next steps. You know, how that pans out, whether it's pursued or not. But I like to look at it like this. You imagine a glass of water, you can see the glass of water, it's pure. You put a little amount of blackcurrant squash into the water. And it's not part of the water that is changed, all of it is changed. So a little bit of pollution changes the whole thing. So if we apply that thought process to the heart, the place in your inner person where you think attached to feelings and emotions, when someone's feelings are hurt, it changes the way they process things, it changes the way they think. And when you change the way they think, you think the Bible says, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. So therefore, if you change the way you think, you're going to change the way you speak and to change the way you act. And your relationship will inevitably go through some change, potentially not good change. Why? Because there has been a pollution in the purity which has affected someone's feelings and so they start thinking differently about the person, the relationship and the future. And it changes everything. What about this scenario? What about if the two of you are together and one of you is really passionate about something. The other person's not so passionate about that, but because you love each other, because you have this heart connection, because you have this purity, you are prepared to say, I will go along and do that thing you're desperate to do because I love you. But at the last moment, that person has a change of heart and says, oh, I don't know, I'm tired. 
I don't know if I really want to do Can we not bother? What happens? The person who's really keen to do that thing has their feelings hurt. Ouch! What's happened? A little bit of pollution. We agreed we would do that. And now you've pulled out. I thought we were in this together. Now I don't feel like we're in this together. There's a little bit of pollution being poured into the purity of it all and it changes stuff. It makes the other person feel, you don't actually care about me at all. You don't care about the things that are important to me at all. And ouch, can you see what I'm trying to say? So there's all kinds of connotations and scenarios that could affect the purity of your relationship. As I was preparing this message, it got me thinking when I was much younger, I had a relatively long-term relationship with a girl and, and at the time I loved her. We had a six-year relationship and uh, she was really keen on horse riding. And I know there's probably lots of people watching this who love horses and love horse riding. Bless you. I don't. Not into it. Doesn't you know? Horses are massive and scary, by the way. You stand next to a horse, they're huge. Uh, and so it's never grabbed me, but she loved it. She'd go off every Saturday morning and, and muck out the horses and ride. She didn't own her own one, but she had access to horses and she loved it. And she said to me, Barry, will you come and watch me? I want to show you what I do. And of course my heart's involved and I said, okay, let's go and do that then. But when we got there, I was a bit tired. Bear in mind, I was young. And I said, I'll stay in the car and, and you, can, you can ride past and I'll, I'll watch and I'll get out and take some photos or something. Yeah, 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 she said she's in her jodhpurs and all her gear and all the rest of it. When she goes off to get the horse, I stay in the car and fall asleep. Because if I'm honest, I didn't really want to be there. And so she rides on her horse, all excited to show me, and there's me having a kip in the car. She tapped on the car and waved at me and I'm through my haze going, oh yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Now I know, looking back, that really hurt her. You know, she was passionate about her horse riding and I was supposed to love her. And I said I'd do it and I didn't really do it. I was what I'm gonna call half-hearted. I went along, but I wasn't really there. I didn't really wanna be there and it wounded her. Now in reflection, as I've matured and I've looked back at that situation, what did that do to her heart? It certainly polluted the way she saw me. You said, Barry, you'd come and look into the thing that's important to me and you didn't really. Ouch. Can you see? But let me give you some encouragement. Here's the great thing. You can get it back. Imagine the glass of water scenario again. We put some black currant in it, just a small amount, but it's affected the whole. If you keep pouring water in and keep pouring water in and keep pouring water in, we all know what happens. It overflows and over the course of time, the black currant comes out and it becomes pure again. Therefore, if you apply that to hearts, if you have a moment, if something goes wrong, whatever it is, and something's polluted, if you keep working on the purity, keep committing to each other, keep being wholehearted, keep being all in, you can get it back. So come on, if you're reflecting even right now, you think, oh, well, yeah, there's something right there, work on it. Get it out in the open. Get it out of the heart relationship so that you've got this purity where two hearts collide and it's amazing. We all long for that kind of stuff. None of us wants relationships that have consistent pollution. Purity is always the dream. We get this stuff. Do you know what? It's exactly the same with God. What did Jesus say in that passage where we've, we've based this, this whole series on? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He wants all of us. He wants us to be all in. He wants it to be pure. He wants it to be him loving us and us loving him. He wants there to be a collision of hearts where it's all in. Not 
half-hearted, not bits of us, not bits of this, that and the other thing, but all in. And I want to reflect on, on the, the great character Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, an amazing guy. Look him up, you find him in 1 Kings, he's amazing. And he has all these different events. And, and what God does is he, he wants to grab the hearts of the nation of Israel again. They've been half-hearted and looking at all kinds of stuff. And he raises up Elijah and says, Elijah, I'm going to use you. And at the time there, they're under the kingship of, of Ahab and Jezebel, who are full of witchcraft, you know, controlling people. Witchcraft works by domination, manipulation and control. I'm sure you have people in your world who, you, when you're around them, you feel manipulated and dominated and it affects how you behave. Well, kind of, that's, that's what's happening here, but a, a king of a country level. And, and, and so God says, go to them and tell them it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain until I say so. That would have meant economic disaster. They relied on the rain for their crops and to function. And so God says, go to these people who were quite scary people. And so Elijah does this. He gets brave and he goes and does what he's been asked to do. Amazing character. Then God takes him on this journey and he goes to this place called Kerith where he sits there and there's drought everywhere. But God gives Elijah this pool, this water at Kerith, where he's able to water himself. And ravens come and they drop food to him and God supplies food in unusual ways. And it's just like, you know, I'm all in this with you, Elijah. You've committed. You've been all in with me. I'm going to be all in with you. I will look after you. Despite the situation around you. I'm going to look after you because you've given me your heart and I'm giving you mine. We're in this together. He has this amazing life journey and he goes and he lives with a, a, a widow and a son and the son dies and God uses Elijah to raise him again. Amazing, amazing things. But it builds to this moment. It builds to this moment where Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, two gods that Ahab and Jezebel are promoting. Let's look at them. And Elijah says, well, come on then. We're going to go to Mount Carmel. Everyone come out and see. And we're going to challenge each other to a fire off. You call to your gods to call fire down from heaven. And I'm going to call to my God to call fire down from heaven. Can you imagine? We'd all go and watch that, wouldn't we? So the whole nation comes out and they build this great big altar of wood. And, and Elijah says, go on then, guys. And the prophets of Asher and Baal dance. And they had this ritual where they cut each other and bleed and call out. Nothing happens. And so Elijah says, okay, you've had your turn. Nothing happened. Are you watching, people? He says, pour water. Pour water on the altar, on the wood. Make it soaking. In fact, make a moat around it. Drench it. I don't want this to get missed or lost on anyone. But this is the moment. I believe this was the entire purpose of Elijah's mission. He says this in front of all the people. He says this in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Can you see it here? Here is God who has loved on Israel, given them so many testimonies as a nation. And here they are, half quite liking Baal, half having a little double with Asherah, half having a double with God, mixing it all into their hearts and emotions, having, having a bit of everything, not wholehearted in anything, half-hearted in everything, and expecting God to be with them. 
And Elijah's been raised up and he says, people, God wants all your heart. If you think it's Baal, choose Baal. If you think it's God, choose God. But for crying out loud, choose. Because God's after our hearts. And so what does he do? He says, God's after your heart. And now I'm going to give you a demonstration. And in that moment, he says, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, reveal yourself. And fire comes out of heaven and lights up the entire wood. It burns it to nothing. It even licks up all the water. And the people are like, oh, wow, that's amazing. The crux of it was this. God is after the hearts of the people. He has demonstrated his heart to them. And he says, come on, now it's time to choose. He demonstrates his authority and his power from heaven to change things on earth. And he says, I'm after your heart. Give me your heart, I'm showing you mine. And I love this. In the final passages of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter four, you can read it, I'm not gonna read it to you, but right, the last two uh, verses of the entire Old Testament, bear in mind this, the very next thing that happens in the New Testament is that Jesus comes. Jesus is God's demonstration of his heart commitment to us. He says, I am all in. He sends Jesus to bring hope, to bring healing for the broken, healing to the sick, you know, a hope for the future. He shows us how to bring unity and how to walk out heaven on earth and have a different experience of life. He is God's love message to us. He is putting his heart on display. Just before that, the last two scriptures in the Old Testament, it says this. It says, there'll be one like Elijah who comes. It refers to Elijah. Same message, you see. He says, and he wants to turn the hearts of the children back to the father and the hearts of the father back to the children. You see, the message hasn't changed. You see, having said, I'm after your heart, what does he do? He gives a demonstration. What does Elijah do? God wants your heart. Choose. And then he demonstrates power. And at the end of the Old Testament, what does God say? The heart of the Father is going to collide with the heart of the children and it's going to be awesome. And now I'm going to demonstrate my commitment to you. And he sends his son to come and say, this is what my father looks like. And everywhere he went, he made lives better. That right there is amazing. So it puts this context of purity of heart in a decision. Are we gonna be pure of heart in our earthly relationships? Are we gonna be pure of heart with our God relationship? But it is time, people, for me to put a challenge out there. Choose, this is your life, this is your heart. What are you gonna do with it? How are you gonna put it on display? The for those of us who are currently in a relationship with Jesus, it is time to fully commit. You see, sometimes we know what it's like. If you've walked with Jesus long enough, you'll have a story of his goodness. You know, you'll have an amazing story where there was a provision or there was a healing or there was a door that just opened that was so unexpected and brilliant. You'll have a story of God's goodness in your life because of Jesus. And we walk out this life, but what so often happens, and let's face it, we're people, this happens, that we get a bit blasé. We walk with Jesus, he amazes us and we thank him, he protects us and we thank him, he provides for us and we thank him, he opens doors for us and we thank him, he brings people into our world and we thank him and then we drift along a little bit and things shift. What we choose to do with our time just shifts a little bit. 
What we choose to do with our finances just shifts a little bit. The life choices we make just shift a little bit. The, what we choose to do with our gifts and our energy just shifts a little bit. Uh, and then we start to wonder why our life isn't exploding into fullness. And then we start to wonder why our friends aren't inspired by our faith. And then we start to wonder why heaven isn't flowing in and around us on earth. Like God said, I call heaven down to earth right now. Why isn't this happening? And I want to suggest it's this, that we've allowed our hearts to get a little bit polluted. And we think it's okay. We still believe in Jesus. We think it's okay. But remember the black current example. A little bit affects the whole. And the trouble is this, when we stop putting God first and central in our decision making, we just shift. It's not pure anymore. It's not his heart colliding with ours and our heart colliding with his. It's just a shift. doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus anymore, but it's not pure. I love some of these passages here. Have a look at these two with me. Matthew 6 and verse 33 says this, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Another one, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You know, Two very similar concepts right there, one New Testament, one Old Testament. The concept is this, if you put God first, everything's going to work in your favour. You know, people go after the things of this world, money, houses, cars, holidays, bling, all the rest of it. And do you know what? I think God's okay with it. But when you put him first, these things come. But when you do it your own way and you put those things first, there's a pollution between your heart and his, and it just doesn't flow. Those of you who are part of Equippers Church Essex will know in January, God gave us a challenge. And it was this challenge linked with the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord isn't like <gasps> being scared of God. Fear is to do with reverence. He is almighty God, creator of heaven, heaven and earth, and I respect him. He's God and I'm not. And there we find that concept in Proverbs there. Fear the Lord. Respect him. I love you. And so as I choose what I'm going to do with my life, as I choose what I'm going to do with my time, as I choose what I'm going to do with my energy and my giftings and my relationships, I want you right in the middle of it. I want to put you first. And what happens? God says, that's awesome. I'm going to come right into the middle of it and I'm going to add my super to your natural and your life is going to be a supernatural experience. People will look at you and go, why does it always pan out well for you? The amount of people in mine and Sarah's life who says, oh, you always fall on your feet. And I'm like, yes, I do. Do you know why? Because I have the heart of the Father working out in my life. It's a pure relationship. I give him all of me and he's given himself all to me. And it just pans out in a little bit of an experience of heaven on earth. It's the best life. But you can only get that experience when there's a purity. God's not after half hearts. God's not after a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Exactly the same as we are in our relationship. He's saying, come on people. I've put my heart on my sleeve. I've put myself out there. I sent my son as a demonstration. I've done it all for you. Now let's walk out together. And so come on church, is today the day you start thinking, I'm reshifting. I want to get that purity back. I've allowed a little bit of pollution in. I can now see it's actually affecting the whole. Well, do you know what? You can get it back. 
Because as you start committing, as you start rethinking, as you start living life slightly differently, God comes in like a flood. And it's awesome. Have a look at this verse with me. I love this one. Psalm 37 and verse 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What a great passage there. And I think, unfortunately, some people translate that to mean is, if I love God, he'll give me everything I want. But I want to unpack it slightly differently. I want to unpack it through a story from my world. When my daughter Evie was young, probably about four years old, I used to uh, tuck her in at night and we'd have a chat about the day and sometimes we'd sing a song or read a book, but I'd always pray. And uh, it's been part of her life and part of her world and it's really set her up for life, I believe. But what I'd do is I'd want to make Sarah breakfast in bed. You know, a, a, a bowl of cereals or something and a cup of tea, just so that she doesn't have to get out of bed and make it. And so, bear in mind, I'm Evie's father. That's what I wanted to do. So I said to Evie, hey Evie, how about in the morning, bearing in mind she's four years old, how about in the morning I come in, we won't wake up mummy, but we'll go downstairs and we'll make a cup of tea and some cereals and we'll take it to her. Mummy will love that. And Evie's like, yeah daddy, yeah daddy, that's a brilliant idea. Can you see what's happening? You see, me and Evie, father and daughter, have a heart connection that collides. And as we're doing life together, the father shares his heart with the child. And because of the connection, what the father feels, the child feels. And so the father's heart's desire becomes the child's heart's desire. What happened in the morning? Evie couldn't wait to get up and make mummy breakfast in bed. That wasn't originally her heart, it was mine. And so what happens is as you delight yourself in God, and know this people, God's plan is going to trump your plan any day of the week. God thinks better, acts better, has got bigger dreams than you will ever have. And as you delight yourself in him, as you, you do life with him, as you pray and you worship and you walk out with him, as you study him, suddenly you get his heartbeat. There's this purity. Two worlds collide, two hearts collide, and it explodes in life. And suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, I know what I want to do in my world. And what's happened? The father's dropped his dream in your heart. And so what you want to do, the father can say, we're going to do that. Why? Because it was part of the connection. It's not you getting what you want. It's out of a relationship with the father where two hearts collide and amazing things happen. And I want to suggest those things will be better than ever you ever dreamed of, ever. Because God's always up for bigger and better. So I believe that our relationships here on earth provide, can I use the word mirror, provide a mirror for our relationships with God. It's like we crave purity, we crave all in, we, we want wholeheartedness in our relationships, and so does God. And so there's another couple of scriptures I just want to unpack to you here. Psalm 24 and verses 3 and 4 says this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in a, a, an idol or swear by a false god. And Matthew 5 and verse 8, this is out of the Beatitudes, the great sermon on the mount that Jesus gave us. Matthew 5, 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can you see the two links there? How are we to get really close to God? How are we to get so close that we can see him? We can touch him, we can think, how do we do that? We 
Well, it begins with a pure-hearted relationship. It begins with a decision in that place of thought where it's emotional and there's feelings attached, where you've seen that God sent his actual son for me to die a death he didn't deserve just because he loves me. That does something in my heart. That moves me and it requires a response from me. And my response is this. Lord, you've given everything to me. I'm all in. I'm giving everything back to you. And there's this purity between the Father and, the, uh, and me and his children on earth. And it collides. And I get to see the heart of the Father. I get to see what it looks like to walk out on earth experiencing an open heaven. That's what we do. When it talks about clean hands, clean hands is, is lifestyle. It's the things we're going to do. But you, you can have clean hands coming out of a pure heart. See, if, if your heart is pure, it's going to affect how you think. And as you think differently, you act differently. And so God is looking for people who don't only have a heart connection, but have such a heart connection, it changes the way we're going to live. And so therefore, we're able to walk closely with him and experience a supernatural life. And I love it. I know there'll be people, I hope you, you can amen to that on the, on the chat box, because there is nothing better. There is nothing better than walking out a life with Jesus. There's nothing better than walking out a life with the Father where two hearts collide in purity and life explodes. You see, the reality is God's never been after your stuff. He's never been after you ticking boxes. He's never been after pressing you in to have a small life. He's always been after your heart. And when two hearts collide, life gets bigger. This, I believe, this last bit I want to share with you is I believe where God trumps us as people and it's this concept of grace. Now I love the definition of grace as this undeserved favour. You know grace is like when someone doesn't deserve that, they haven't worked hard enough for it, they, they've let themselves down but you know what you give it to them anyway, you give them the prize anyway, it's grace, they don't deserve it but hey I care about them, I love them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reward them anyway, that's grace. Uh, and so what happens with us as people, we're talking about a purity of heart so that how, how Sarah acts affects how I feel about her. So how I act affects me and God. Uh, and so God's saying, yeah, Barry, you're going to stuff it up sometimes. Do you know why? Because you're a person and we all stuff it up. You're going to say things wrong. You're going to think things wrong. You're going to make wrong choices. It's going to happen. But you know what? I've got grace for you. I love you anyway. So here we are, final verse, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 9, it says this, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And, and so it's this idea that God has this grace, this, this undeserved favour over us where, where he gives us things we don't deserve. And so when I mess up in my world and I don't do things right, what's that saying about my heart? Well, I'm saying I don't, not enough. But God's heart is so all in, he's saying, I'm going to be all in with you anyway. He says, I'm going to cover it over because I want this relationship to be pure. And when you can't be, I'm going to be more than enough. He says, see, my power is made, pure, made powerful in your weakness. See, where I'm weak, he is strong. And so it comes together and we're still all right. And I think this is the trouble. When we look at things like that, you think, well, if God's going to cover over my mess ups anyway, I might as well just keep messing up. And there's this weird thing in humanity that we like the idea of doing things wrong as if they make life better. You know, getting hammered, drinking, sleeping around, all these things as if that's really great. But if you analyse all those things enough, 
they always lead to a negative experience of life, always, if, if you go long enough. But when you do things right with God long enough, it always leads to a better experience of life. And so I don't look at God's grace and think, oh, this is brilliant, I can do what I want and God will love me anyway. No, 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 it makes me feel like this. God's shown his heart to me. He sent his son for me, just gave all in, and it's moved me. And so my response isn't, oh, I'll just do what I want. My response is, I'm going to do my best. I will mess up sometimes, I'm a person, but I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna try my best to be more loving. I'm gonna try my best to be more kind. I'm gonna try my best to be more generous. I'm gonna try my best to be a little bit more like Jesus. And as I do that, I have the Father covering over by grace the times I get it wrong, and it keeps us pure. And we walk out life together, and it just gets better. Walking out with God will always lead to a fuller and better life. It's his heart for you. So hallelujah, praise God for his grace. But here's the thing. We are now beginning to come out and start walking in what everyone is calling the new normal. And I wonder if part of your new normal could genuinely include purity of heart. What could it look like with your family relationships, with your romantic relationships, with your relationship with God, if you were all in? If you took out the things that are polluting and diluting and made choices in your heart and mind to say, I'm going to do my best to live better. I'm going to do my best to be more all in. I believe it will lead to a bigger and better life. And so I want to shout out to you, challenge you today to say, come on, let's pursue pure-hearted relationships and let's particularly pursue an all-in, pure-heart relationship with God because he loves us so much. Hey, I hope that's been helpful. I hope that's given you some things to think about, some things to apply to your world, um, but I'd love to pray for you. Father God, just thank you for every amazing person who's tuned into this message today. Lord, thank you for the way you've made them fearfully and wonderfully. You have reverence as you formed us in the womb and put gifts in us and have great plans for us that you long for us to walk in. So Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you've demonstrated your pure heart for us in Jesus. And today we make a choice to give you all of ourselves. Today we make a choice to be all in and give you our whole hearts too. Lord, lead us forward. Lord, take us to a place where we just have an outrageous experience in life of heaven exploding on earth in and through us. Amen. And, and I'd love to pray for some people out there. Maybe you've listened to this. Maybe you've tuned in to church services over the past few weeks or few months and you're coming to a place where you say, actually, I, I want Jesus in my world. Do you know what it takes? It just takes a yes in your heart. You know, when you've understood that Jesus came just for relationship, to lead you into fullness of life, to reconnect you with the heart of the Father where life just explodes in hope and fullness. It's the day, the day you say yes. And if that's you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me just the way I am, but you love me too much to leave me the way I am. Thank you that you've demonstrated your heart to me in Jesus. And today I want to give you my heart. Jesus, I invite you to come and live in my heart to lead me forward, to become central to my world, my thought processes and my actions and my words. Lead me forward. I want to experience more of you. I want to demonstrate more of you to people around me. And I'm excited about this journey. You are welcome in my life. And all those people said, Amen. So, so good. Uh, I hope it's been helpful. I'm going to pass you back over to the awesomeness that is IO. God bless you all. Have an amazing week.